All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Friday afternoon. Rio Tinto will not face any financial penalties over the radioactive capsule that went missing in transit from its Goodidery mine earlier this year. An investigation was launched after the capsule went missing and was later recovered earlier this year after it was believed to have fallen off a truck after leaving a Pilbara mine site on January 10. The capsule, about six millimetres in diameter, was part of a package to be transported from the mine to a depot in Malaga. The capsule was later located just south of Newman, about two metres off the Great Northern Highway. It's understood the WA Radiological Council, chaired by Chief Health Officer Andrew Robertson, sent a letter to Rio Tinto earlier this year. The letter said the inquiry did not identify any breaches of the Radiation Safety Act by Rio, its licensees or its employees. However, Dr Robertson told Business News he would be obtaining specialised mechanical engineering advice as the investigation had found a core issue of concern related to the gauge's mechanical integrity. In other news, new electoral boundaries proposed by a review committee would amalgamate two regional districts currently held by state opposition leader Shane Love and fellow Nationals MP Marone Beard. In a potential blow for the Nationals, the Electoral Distribution Committee, tasked with reviewing electoral boundaries, is suggesting reducing by one the number of regional electoral districts in WA. The committee has proposed merging the Nationals-held districts of Northwest Central and more to facilitate the creation of a new metropolitan electoral district. The proposed merger would allow the creation of a new district covering a fast-growing part of the South Metropolitan region in Perth. The proposed changes were lashed by Mr Love today, who said they were an assault on fair representation for regional voters. Objections to the proposed changes are open until August 21 and will be considered ahead of the publication of final boundaries on the 1st of December. And lastly, economic diversification and global green energy trends are key to ensuring WA's prosperity in an increasingly protectionist world, according to the Bank West Curtin Economic Centre. A report released by the Research Centre today called for increased export diversification, as well as leveraging the state's strengths in production to support the world's decarbonisation agenda. The report highlighted that the state's current economic strength was a product of thriving resources and mining sectors, but more needed to be done to secure a prosperous future. Goods exported accounted for 59% of WA's economy in 2021, compared with 23% nationally. Director of the Curtin Economic Centre, Alan Duncan, who co-authored the report, said the figures highlighted the dependence of the state's economy on trade demand abroad. And that's all from me this afternoon. You can read more on these headlines at businessnews.com.au. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Claire Tyrrell discuss trends and changes in WA's residential housing market. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit, that is... What you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn. Today I'm joined by Claire Tyrrell. Claire, happy Friday. How are you? Thank you, Jack. You too. I'm well. That's good. Hey, Claire, you go to many 
events as part of your rounds and this week was no exception. Uh, yesterday you were at the Property Council's annual residential conference where parts of the industry get together and have a chat about the issues facing the sector. What were some of the key takeaways from that event for you? Yeah, I do, Jack. Uh, you know, property industry is never short of an event. Uh, <laughs> it keeps me on my toes and uh, the benefit of, of going to these uh, events, I'm privileged to be invited to a lot of them. Mm. Uh, the benefit is, you know, not only do you learn about, you know, the latest in the industry, but you get to rub shoulders with, uh, you know, the movers and shakers in property, the decision makers, so to speak, Uh and the future of residential, I believe they call their conference the Property Council. Uh, it's always one to look forward to. It's a day-long event, so I didn't actually get to all of the sessions, but I picked and cho- chose a few that I thought would be interesting and that would fit around my day. As you know, we're all pretty busy here at Business News. All flat out, so that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, so yesterday there was a big focus on the supply of housing and how it's it's actually being really difficult for developers and so forth to bring on supply, despite there being a really high demand. Uh, and you know, things like value were spoken about as well. We'll speak about that in more detail a bit later. Uh, another topic that I know you've been covering, Jack, is uh, the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act. All reforms. over it. All over yeah, it. so uh, when I arrived, there was a, an in-depth panel discussion. You know, it, it was more advising developers and uh, other people in the industry on what they need to do if they're mainly developing greenfield sites and they come across these issues. And uh, I did learn a little bit about about it. Uh, in, intangible, the intangible nature of it is um, it, it fascinates me. I think it, it could bring on a whole new kind of area of law and, and definitely consultants. I think Aboriginal heritage uh, consultants will be very busy over the next over in coming years. <laughs> they definitely will, yes. Uh, you know, economic outlook stuff people are very interested in where the price prices of houses are going and uh it does look to be positive in in wa as i mentioned you know a few times we've been historically you know we've we've been lower than other states and uh we we still are but we're on the on the up i think um you know you're not seeing that massive correction that we're getting in sydney and melbourne Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a good time to to be selling property. Uh, there's money to be made, Jack, yeah, especially in in coming years as the construction prices normalise. Uh, and another another key issue I looked at yesterday was uh, so Nigel Hobart, who's the managing principal at Rothy Lohman, who readers might have heard of, uh, their, their presence is fairly new in WA. They, they're an architecture firm. They partnered with Fratel. Right. So you probably know them. Uh, if people go to the Claremont Hotel, uh, potentially tonight, uh, <laughs> maybe a lot of our readers will, uh, they'll notice the brand new interior and that was done by Rothy Lohman, formerly Fratel. Uh, they primarily operate on the eastern states, but they've got a you know, they do have a huge presence here as well. And Nigel got up and said, you know, developers should be looking at more ways to think outside the box and, and now is more important than ever. It's a, a more important time than ever to be looking at this. Uh, you know, and he said, we need to break the rules sometimes. So uh, I, my ears uh, pricked up when he said that. I was like, oh, what, what do you mean? Uh, but he was mainly referring to local planning schemes, Jack. So... Uh, you know, a lot of these schemes are devised, 
you know, some of them are outdated uh, and developers are looking at ways to kind of, you know, get the best outcomes for the community and uh, it's not always, doesn't always fit within that box that uh, the local planning schemes stipulate. So, you know, it surprised me initially, but now I'm used to it every time I look at a development application, a major one, you know, they often go above the, the set kind of height or bulk. Or, but then when you look into it further, they've, um, you know, they've got nuances in there to prevent overshadowing and, uh, you know, all those um, undesirable outcomes. Uh, it doesn't stop the <laughs> local opposition, but, it, you know, it's, it's healthy. There's a lot of healthy debate going on in uh, in those spaces at uh, the moment. <laughs> it's important that those things are considered. It is, yeah. Uh, you know, things like setbacks are huge. Uh, hmm. Open space. Um, it's uh, There are a lot of positive discussions in the industry at the moment. Uh, developers realising that they you know, they need to incorporate things like sustainability into yeah. their developments. And ironically, sometimes uh, those aspects do mean going outside the local planning scheme. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from his speech and it was it was quite inspiring, to be honest. It was kind of a call to arms of the industry. He said, we've got to do things differently. We've, if we want to keep bringing on more supply in this constrained environment, uh, you know, he, I, I chatted to him afterwards and he said, you know, when else are we in near recession times and experiencing high demand but, you know, constrained supply? It's a really unique time. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's there's a lot happening in the industry at the moment, uh, especially in the residential space that was highlighted yesterday. Uh, it's such an interesting time economically and it's something that probably people are grappling with with not a lot of past experience to really go off. So it's it's nice to hear that, yeah, innovation and pushing boundaries are, are on the agenda there. Mm. So I noticed there was a panel session about the changing value of property in WA. We love property values. We love talking about them. So what did you learn from that? We do, Jack. So, uh, you know, values have consistently been uh, increasing, albeit kind of slightly, you know, 0. 0.2, 0. 0. 0.3. <laughs> As you upwards, yes. Yeah. And uh, we heard from residential property valuers who I don't deal with much uh, in in my day-to-day. I, I would like to. Uh, valuers are often a bit, a bit kind of uh, gun-shy to talk to media, I guess. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's because some of them work in uh, big, you know, for big firms and they've got agents trying to sell things at the same time. And also, you know, they're just they're, they're busy, they do a lot of work in the background to get their job done. So uh, that panel had uh, Kate Beekink from CBRE and uh, PRD Real Estate Perth Managing Director Angus Murray, who uh, I've spoken to in the past. He's uh, working on a few projects, uh, one in, in Como, quite a, uh, you know, innovative development in that it's got a lot of one-bedroom apartments. He spoke about that, how that mix is changing as well. I think I'll explore that further in my reporting. Uh, and Chris Hinchcliffe from, sorry, Chris Chris Hinchcliffe from Heron Todd White. And yeah, they basically spoke about the landscape in residential property valuing. Uh, a big A big issue that came up, which Surprised me that the conversation trended that way, but it makes sense, uh, is the prevalence of social housing Mm. and its impact on value. Mm. So uh, Angus was probably the one who put his head above the parapet here. Uh, He said that, you know, when it's done not well, uh, so, you know, when when you've got those ghettos, so to speak, on streets, uh, which Kate Beeking pointed out that she's 
she remembers a street where literally one side of the street was all social housing and the other side wasn't and uh, she said she probably wouldn't want to take people down that street. Uh, so Angus said in those situations the value of the, the non-social housing or non-state housing stock properties can reduce by 25%. Mm. So it does have a really big impact but then they, you know, they further went on to discuss the importance of doing it right. So, you know, social housing dotted around, you know, it, it is an important facet of community and we, we need social housing. Uh, however, it's it's really important that government gets it right. Yeah. Uh, you know, as Angus said, it, it's it's quite often, you know, first home buyer's mortgage that the government's kind of playing with in, in these situations because they're the ones buying in these, these areas that are, you know, mid-range, kind of affordable. Uh, another another issue that came up was the the prevalence of investors in the market at the moment. So, uh, so Kate Beekink works around that. You know, the, I think the southern kind of corridor, the more affordable kind of end of the spectrum. And she said that more often than not now, investors are outbidding locals. So it's a bit of a you know, while it's good for the property industry, we need we need investors. We need you know those people to buy properties to potentially rent out with our historically low rental vacancy rates. It's also a bit bit sad for those those first home, maybe second home buyers um, with young families looking to get into the market. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, most of the things they spoke about were kind of a, a symptom of the, you know, it, the lack of availability of homes at the moment in Perth, which is uh, a massive issue that's not going away anytime soon. Were there any specific issues that were raised that are impacting the valuation industry itself um, that stood out to you? Yeah, so um, it, it was a little window into what it's like to be a valuer, which uh, I found fascinating. And uh, they, they led off with a, a question about AI's impact on the industry. And you hear about that in in all industries, don't you? I mean, we're all a bit fearful of it at the moment. <laughs> uh, so uh, the impact on AI was... in. On, of AI on valuations was an interesting one. Uh, Chris Hinchcliffe said, yeah, there's there's been studies done and, uh, you know, they are looking at it and, you know, because it's around data and, and uh, he said that in, in all cases at the moment that the human valuation is, is coming out on top of the AI, so that's good. Uh, and uh, another question that was asked was, is valuation, is it a science or is it an art? And you know, I'm not sure. What do you think, Jack? Is it a science or an art? <laughs> I like to think it's an art um, because I don't think that AI does art very well. <laughs> um, uh, but I think, yeah, that conversation around AI is an interesting one because it's so often the case that when AI is pitched, it's sort of pitched as, oh, you know, it could take the jobs. But really what you start to hear is that it facilitates a sort of removing the boring elements of the jobs and, yeah. and empowering people to then, you know, do the more interesting bits and... and you know, hopefully it's for the betterment. Mm. Um, you would hope so, at least. Yeah. What do you think? Is it an art or a science? Oh, I think it's a bit of a blend of both. I think the valuers like to see it as, see it as an art, uh, but you know, there's a lot of lot of numbers involved. And you know, what was highlighted on stage, I think, was the increasing difficulty to value things in this market. It's just so kind of it's a little bit, a little bit all over the place. Uh, you know, it is starting to settle down, but you know, COVID. Who knew that was going to happen? So that's just like had a crazy impact on a lot of, lot of industries. And uh, another issue that was raised was apartments. Are uh, you know the ones selling off the plan? They continually set um, you know records and uh, evaluations 
factoring that in mm. and, uh, you know, the, the people on stage, they're pretty, you know, their fingers on the pulse, they are across the industry, but, you know, you're not going to get it 100% all of the time. Oh, no one's going to get it 100% and no one saw that uh, pandemic coming, so that's mm. evidence of it. Claire, it sounds like it was a really great event. It sounds like you took a lot from it. Um, look forward to seeing um, what comes of it and, and sort of some of the discussions that you raise there, some of the things you might explore a bit more in your writing. Um, and, yeah, look, thank you for joining me and have a great day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, issues aren't going away anytime soon. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> thank you. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.